0: You disagree about your destination and the stops along the way. Everyone has different needs and ideas on the best way to get there. And not everyone wants to go along for the ride as it is. There's also the baggage to consider. It took a lot of organization to even get out on the open road, but you never feel like you're actually getting anywhere as someone always needs to stop. Sound familiar? Was it the last road trip you took with your family or rather the most recent meeting of your PLC team? Deep Breath, your GLG GPS is here to assist you in recalculating directions to help your PLC's road trip consist of a little more accelerator and a little less traffic jam. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me. Jenny LeBrie.
1: Hi everyone, it's Emily. I want you all to conjure up a mental image of sitting in traffic. Imagine bumper to bumper gridlock and the mounting frustration of knowing you should be moving, but you can't. And now imagine that road trip scenario that Jenny described earlier. Pack that car with passengers and Think of all those people sharing their opinions, directions, ideas, their wishes, and maybe even pointing out to you where your group went wrong and getting stuck in that traffic jam to begin with.
2: If you haven't stopped listening yet, due to the sheer frustration of that experience in this scenario, it might be due to the fact that you know we really aren't talking about driving, but the metaphorical journey that your professional learning community, if you're a teacher or an educator, endures when you're attempting to achieve a common goal of optimizing learning for our students. So our intention with this episode is to outline a roadmap. A roadmap to help us discuss the traffic jams that PLCs often find themselves in and ultimately assist our listeners in considering roles and their reasons behind them. And share some shortcuts for getting your team back on the open road, moving towards what truly matters, collective improvement. So for any of you edu research lovers out there who may be familiar with the initial foundational work of PLCs and why they're important, you may be familiar with the name Richard Dufour. In his book, Learning by Doing, a handbook for professional learning communities at work, he proposes that a PLC's process and norms should include the following – Number one, a purpose, that the school is meant to ensure that all students learn. Two, that learning requires collaboration and collective effort and cooperation by all in the system. And three, that the collective effort should focus on results, so evidence of student learning. And those results need to inform our next steps and interventions with students.
1: So we want to use these ideas to ground our discussions and kind of lean into our metaphor of this idea of uh, PLCs. Which I want to be really overt about that, even if we've already kind of mentioned it in passing. PLCs, when we use that term, it refers to professional learning communities. That's for any of our non-edu listeners out there. We want to make sure you're talking about this is usually a group or team of teachers that are working together on common students or common subject matter or common goals. So when we use the term PLC, that's what we're talking about. But unfortunately, sometimes when you're working with your professional learning community or teaching team, it can feel a little bit like being stuck in traffic with some of those ideas we mentioned earlier. Never
0: That never Never. happens.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So here's the thing, guys. I think we need to figure out what's going on here that feeds into that mentality or that leads people into feeling like they're stuck instead of like they're flowing. So I think we need to think a little bit about what that has to do with their journey. As
0: people are listening to us, be thinking about these and how they might apply to you personally as you approach your work with either a PLC or even a group that you work with. This is going to ground and root what we're talking about today so it can help you find the hacks that are most useful to your personal
1: needs. And spoiler alert: you might see some of these where they don't apply to you right now, but they might down the road someday. So it's definitely worth considering what that is. Yeah, that's for you. a good
0: point. Because <laughs> this isn't like your personality trait that sticks with you; it is
2: situational and right yeah. based on change on team, a win. based on yep. what the team needs or the PLC
1: needs in that moment. It, they can absolutely be flexible. They should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Team dynamics are fluid. All right. So I think one way we could maybe use to focus in on this idea would be to think about why are you in that proverbial car of that PLC? Why are you traveling? Casey, what's one metaphor or extension we could provide here?
2: Probably the first that I'm going to bring up is going to be the most common one that sticks in people's brain. Right? It's the person who is reluctant and resistant to engage in the journey of whether it's a car trip or whether it's learning and looking at data or working with a PLC. And that's the teen or the toddler that's thrown into the car by mom. Mom could be the system. Mom could be the administrator. Mom could be whoever. But it's the person that you have to have on the team, and they're the one that doesn't want to be there and really identify with that overall mission or goal of the team.
1: For real, anybody who's ever had to strap a toddler in who doesn't want to be strapped in (laughs) probably knows what we're talking about right now. Oh, yeah, Um, I am looking forward to no car
2: seats. That's also what makes the next one a little bit more challenging. Like if you have a toddler or teen in the back, and you constantly have a long daily grind commute where the struggle is real every day to get moving and get going and get forward. It's just the daily grind
0: kind of You're in a routine that you, you go through the motions, whether you've been doing it for a long time, or you just do it out of muscle memory almost.
1: Yeah, it's kind of veteran status, but it also there's also a degree of detachment or disengagement. There's competence, but it's not very deep. I think another one we could talk about is one where the ride is enjoyable. This would be like somebody out, out on a pleasure ride. You're taking the scenic route. You're looking out the window. You're enjoying the sights. Think of that perfect summer day, window open, the music you like is playing, and you're enjoying this ride. It's good and it's positive. It's the thing we all strive for and we all hope Every member of our PLC gets to embody or have at certain points in time. But like I mentioned, these are fluid and not every drive is the beautiful scenic drive and not every PLC engagement or action is either.
0: Imagine that route in different seasons as well. In the summer, it's going to look a lot different than the winter. The fall might be beautiful, too, but it's going to look different, those scenic. scenic You're
2: scenic
1: once again outing ourselves as Chicagoland natives, man. Yeah. We've got some <laughs> driving seasons and some not driving seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: Emily, I like what you said about that being the goal. I've always struggled sometimes when going on a scenic drive, but I'm not going anywhere. So being able to enjoy the discourse and collaboration and being there to just learn and soak it up, I think would be kind of an awesome experience for a PLC to have. I just personally struggle with it because I always feel like I have to have a destination. So remembering that sometimes when we're working together with people, let's take the scenic route and see what happens. I think that ties into that culture of risk taking. You know,
1: we talked about failure in our last episode. But I think that's important to bring up and consider too. that just because you're enjoying it, and there's uh, some soaking in of the pleasure and creativity that goes into that scenic route. It doesn't mean that it's aimless. A lot of people while they're going somewhere like Jenny mentioned, you could be on your daily commute. But all of a sudden, you look out the window and the sunrise is gorgeous. That's a totally different commute than when you're slog commuting. All right, so any of that we're missing here? There's one other that we probably don't want to
0: neglect to mention. when Not everything is moving smoothly or there's something wrong with the car and you're on your way to the mechanic. Something is broken. And so is the car broken or maybe is the road covered in potholes? Whatever those connections might mean to you, typically when we come across quote-unquote dysfunctional PLCs, a lot of times something like this is happening.
2: The something broken could be, if you're looking at it through the lens of the PLC, there could be an assessment that isn't going well. It's broken. Something's not working for the kids, and you're coming together as a team to figure out what that is. Or you don't have a solid support system in place for your students and you're trying to come together to help support kids with their social emotional needs. So from the PLC perspective, you're coming together with that problem solution sort of focus and working to try to figure that out.
1: You know, I'm really glad you mentioned that, Casey, because I think, honestly, that's probably the next thing we need to focus on here is the reasons for a road trip or moving along in your car not being enjoyable isn't just the people that are in the car. Sometimes it has to do with the conditions that are surrounding that trip. And I think that's what we want to zoom in on next is what are some of the reasons why that gridlock might occur in addition to what you just mentioned?
2: And I think from the problem-solution lens of it, sometimes you just hit a stall. You've tried all the tricks, all the strategies that the team has thrown on the table, and you've stalled because A, you've tried them all. B, no one's willing to come to consensus or no one is able to come to consensus on what's the most optimum solution for one reason or or another. And everything just stops because we don't have the means to come to consensus or figure out where to go next. What else?
0: Another one that comes to mind, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about this next one. We had brainstormed the idea of congestion. And so when I'm thinking of congestion, I'm thinking of things that are backed up, a lot of traffic, a lot of things on our plate. There's so many different goals that teachers have. So that's kind of where I come from it. But I was interested if that is what you guys were thinking as well.
2: Everything gets piled on like, okay, teachers, we're responsible for delivering core curriculum, and we're also responsible for delivering SEL, and, but oh, wait, we need your feedback on how we're going to get this initiative off the ground. And it just creates, like you said, so much on the plate, but adding into the PLC dynamic everybody's bringing their plates to the table. Mm -hmm. And instead of it being like a buffet family style, it's just everyone's coming with their own buffet. And it's hard to knock anything off the list, because we don't have the focus, or something else is getting in the way of us checking things off that list.
0: Yeah, where do you parse out your priorities? And how do you
1: do that? And how do you do it when another member of your PLC might have completely different priorities? What else we got? Lack of destination. So kind of what we mentioned, if there isn't a clear common goal, if that goal maybe is too nebulous or not really measurable, PLC is working on instilling something and they're not exactly all on the same page about what it is they want or what the plc is working towards that's sort of like the drive without destination and while we mentioned there's certainly some enjoyment to enjoying the ride for the sake of enjoying it driving around with nowhere to go can also lead to some problems for folks because yes my husband leans on his horn and calls them sunday drivers come on let's go let's move
2: well and then You're wasting the resources when you're driving around without a destination. My mom would always say, you're just doing wear and tear on your car and using up gas. I think the same is true for a teacher. You only have your time. Your brain capacity is finite. And if you're driving around without any destination, or if you have one destination in mind, but your PLC teammates, or in some situations, Like in our middle school, we may have a PLC of only two people. And if those two people's destinations are completely divergent, you're just driving around without any place to go.
0: That kind of goes along with even when you are meeting together with people, the time factor. We have our priorities such that our time is so valuable that when you're together, you want to be productive, but yet your mind might be somewhere else. You're not living present in the moment. When we think of this, through the metaphor of a reason for a gridlock, you're late. You're rushing. You're not necessarily present with the task at hand. And so that added stressor leaves the focus at the door. There's not as much focus because you are rushing or because your brain is in your classroom instead of at this meeting at that time.
1: So I think that we've been more in diagnostic mode here, thinking about what are the things that not just contribute to the gridlock occurring within a PLC, but what are some of the conditions and or the people that might be along that could not just make that gridlock occur, but might make that experience feel a little bit additionally stressful or stalled out. So I think we need to move into solution mode here and think about what are some of these hacks? How can we provide some direction for our listeners to maybe get them themselves as a member of their plc or the plc at large moving again.
0: This one makes me laugh so much but I think it is so telling how closely aligned to the metaphor it is.
2: Emily says this a lot is you don't get to pick your family. Your family is who they is, is who they are, (laughs) are who they are, whatever, grammar words are hard. When someone is hired in a school district, yes, the principal ultimately has the final say, there may be a committee of teachers there, but ultimately, that teacher is placed on a team that already has its own Roles already has its own functions, right? So I think it's important for us to name. We can't pick our family. Unlike we, we've we talked about in our coaching episode, coaching happens in the land of the good. It's by choice. It can be your PLC of choice. So we've got to figure out a way to notice a name that, yes, we're all here. We're all faced with this purpose. So let's try to find a way to make it all work. I feel like all of our episodes are coming Back into this particular one.
0: It's so funny because whether we like to admit it or not, when you think of your family, anybody out there thinking about your family, yes, you unconditionally love them, but there is always some sort or element of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Let's just name it. And so that is in working with PLCs for my entire career. There have been some fabulous ones. There have been some not so great ones. But regardless of the makeup and the people that were in it, we we were there, we had to be there. But there was always some kind of little dysfunction that we had to know about ourselves in order to really do the grounding, deep work, and
2: for it to be efficient and impactful. Right. And I think, Jenny, what you were talking about there, laying the groundwork, part of that ties into our metaphor of what does the itinerary look like? when if you've ever had to plan a trip there are certain things you have to come to consensus on and i think the most positive trips that i have been a part of whether those are with my family or plcs you co-construct the itinerary together here are the things that we as a group agree that we want to get to so when my husband and i planned our scotland vacation he just wanted hands off i'll go wherever we go But then I got always upset when he was like, oh, this is kind of dumb. I'm like, well, you had a chance to be involved, bro. If we can find ways to co-construct the itinerary together, what the goals are, what the outcomes are, then we all have that shared sense of ownership that we're on the journey together. And eventually we'll get to what
1: I want to do or I want or I need to work on.
0: And that's proactive rather than reactive as well. Right.
1: As the team keeper of the norms, I do have to mention this too. Whenever I think of this, having this destination and planning this itinerary, yes, you're planning where you're going, but you're also planning some of the protocol for how behavior will be along the way. How often are we going to stop? Are you allowed to? take a nap so when you think about being in that car you have to determine not just where you're gonna go and how long is going to take you to get there and what is that route look like to get you to that common destination but it is so important to say this is how we are and are not going to behave if we hit an assessment that doesn't work for our students, how do we deal with that situation? How are we going to move together when there is a disagreement? You, you always think, that, you know, he's poking me. He's in my space in the back seat, And then there's just fighting and the road trip is a nightmare for everybody. There <laughs> needs to be some expectations for how people need to behave, even for those of us who are adults. And if you just take a couple of minutes at the beginning of your PLC, work together, set your common goal, work towards your destination, but also say, and along the way, it's not always going to be easy, might hit some bumps. W- here's how we are accountable for behaving towards each other in this moment, and maybe even designate somebody as being responsible for that, looking at it. Right. This isn't just I the don't same even shameless <laughs> self-plug for being a norm person, but it's it's
0: huge. And Emily, you said something about you might hit some bumps. I would almost guarantee you will hit some bumps. And here's the, the truth of the matter is if you You might say, well, we're all adults here. We don't need to do these norms. We don't have time for that. And here's the thing. You don't have to do that, but it it will be less likely that you are going to bruise relationships if you have those established on the onset when the tension and the emotions are at a higher level. Because if you don't have those norms for behavior or noticing this is going to happen and we're going to talk about it, I hate to say it, but you're probably not going to get the relationships back on track, or it's going to take a lot longer to do so because you didn't have those taken care of ahead of time.
2: It's like driving without insurance. Coming up with those norms, guarantees, you may not have to ever use them, Mm -hmm. but you'll be sure as you know what glad you have them if it comes down to someone is coming to the PLC and is just... Obstinate and not willing to do anything, not pulling their weight, you can actually have that conversation and say, This is what we talked about as a group. This is what's happening in our PLC. We need to refocus and we need your help to do that. And if this is no longer reflecting what our norms and group goals are, then let's come back together as a group. It's that insurance that you can have that challenging courageous conversation with someone when you get stuck I think too that goes along with what you were saying Emily about the norms one of the norms that has helped us personally is admiring the problem whenever we're so focused on this is an issue this is an issue one of us will say okay I feel like we're admiring the problem (laughs) and it snaps everybody yeah We are. And it's not in a non, it's not in a threatening way. It's just a cordial way of reminding us, okay, this is what I'm seeing us do. Let's take a second to regroup and find a way to keep back on course. Get back on course. Get back
1: on track. Yep. I think you just metaphor spelled out like a rest stop. All right, everybody break. (laughs) Come back in five, and we'll stop admiring the problem and get back on the road. Another thing I thought of while you were saying some of that stuff, both Jenny and Casey, I really, think a good method of welcoming a new person to a PLC even would be to lay out what the norms are and even say, okay, so here's kind of the norms we've been operating under with this PLC. We're really excited to have you be a part of our team now. This is new teacher or even just new addition to that PLC, somebody changed sections or subjects or grade levels or what have you. And you can say, what do you think we need to add to this to be productive Mm -hmm. in your world? So again, that co-construction, but it's not just something you do once and you never do again but you let that be a breathing set of norms that can change with the makeup of the team as well.
0: You bring a really important next topic up, especially when you're thinking about that living and breathing and the roles that people play.
2: Yeah. Well, I was just gonna ask you all, whenever you did on, went on road trips, like mom for me was always the driver and dad was always the navigator. So there were those clear roles kind of defined right off the bat. And when I got older and did road trips myself, shocker, I was the navigator. <laughs> you know, i like to see where we were on the map to kind of monitor our progress. And I think same thing with the PLC. You want and need. I have, can't stress that enough. Everyone needs to have a role. Otherwise, there's no agency. There's no ownership of the process. Someone's just is they're taking up a seat or air when they have something to contribute. And it can be hard, especially for a new person to a group, to find that role for themselves. So leaving time and space to identify who's the facilitator gonna be, who's the navigator, who's the note taker gonna be, who's gonna be responsible for checking in with people. What's the (laughs) shotgun role?
0: That's what I wanna know. You're with your friends and someone's like, got shotgun, so what's that one? (laughs) A shotgun, is, I is feel like it,
1: that. Yeah, that your shotgun person is like your your person monitor. So you're checking on the driver if the driver needs you to open up a soda or something for them. You can do that because they're focused on the road. You're also sort of navigating, keeping an eye on where things are going because they can't look at their phone and their GPS. Either watching the road, so you're the one checking in with where we really are and making sure that we're still pointing towards the destination. The other person is just continually driving and kind of pushing things forward and you're keeping an eye on the people in the back seat everybody good back here let's make sure we're all still together oh you need something all right maybe we need to schedule an arrest stop so you're sort of the the person collaboration who keeps
2: monitor it. almost yeah word yeah i've heard that i was, I ha- ha- I was that having idea trouble idea with too. the term <laughs> i like that idea too because when you're facilitating you often can't see some of the nuanced issues that the PLC may be experiencing so having someone really in charge of helping the facilitator debrief like okay where is everybody feeling what did you notice and not like in a sneaky way but just cuz you're laying it out in the open to say i'm going to be just observing the process to make sure that we're A, looking and keeping our norms in place, but that we're also moving towards that big picture is really very freeing for a facilitator.
0: I'm going to implicate myself here because the backseat driver doesn't really get a lot of likes. I would say that typically when you think of the backseat driver, you're the one that's, don't be the backseat driver. But I think I could even connect that to being kind of like clarified butter. being a backseat driver, you are the one observing as well, just on the refinement end of things to see what else is missing, making those questions, should we be turning left there? Are you sure? The skeptic might even fall into that backseat
2: driver role too. right What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the phrasing, the phrasing that we just said like, are you sure? it's <laughs> different than are we sure? Are we sure? coming from that place of genuine inquiry and curiosity is different than the backseat driver like, are we sure we wanna do that? It's like when I talk to my three year old, are you sure you wanna jump off that pillow <laughs> onto the couch? Cause you could break your neck. I really know what the answer is. And in terms of a PLC, if someone's got all the answers, then why is anybody else there?
1: Well, and that's really interesting, too, because when we talk about the backseat or the people in the back of the card, just because you're not the collaboration monitor or the person facilitating the discussion doesn't mean you don't have a really important role to play. I mean, I was the middle of three siblings, and I definitely had a role in, for instance, instigate a game. Who's going to play I Spy? So there kind of does need to be some people in the backseat kind of keeping things interesting, maybe bringing up some things that we need. Need to notice. Maybe throw in some new ideas out there. And yeah, even having a skeptic role like, okay, everyone, we need to stop and blank. Or, you know what? I have a question. Why is the world's largest ball of yarn here? Sometimes those stops <laughs> along the way in the road trip might be some things that really gain some insight or really create something memorable or usable for your team. It's just about sticking to that norm and doing that respectfully, which is something, as a skeptic, I strive for. But those backseat roles are really important too, even if they're not framed metaphorically as being in control of the journey. Their feedback and their role is integral to the enjoyment or lack thereof of that trip.
2: I think it's important to remember that when you're on a road trip, the driver will eventually get tired. And it's important on a road trip to take turns driving. And if you are in the backseat one year and you're mentally checking out, it can be hard for the team to move forward when that shift has to happen. Because I think it should. Everyone gets tired. Everyone has a right to sit in the back for a little bit. And the car still has to be moving down the road. So I think it's important for everybody to be open to the possibility of taking a turn as the driver in order to keep the trip moving forward. And sometimes people are better drivers than others. Full disclosure. (laughs) (laughs) Which means that when you are in that driver's seat, it's important to lean into what your strengths are and to identify others who can help you facilitate the PLC that fits with your strengths.
1: Yeah. And I would say, arguably, whatever your role is, try to be present, regardless to what role you're playing at any point in time. If you're being present, if you're giving as much of your brain as you can to those moments, and again, we all have our off days, not saying we don't, especially in a particularly nutso year like this one. Off days happen, but try to be present when you're in those PLC interactions and conversations, even when things are a struggle. Because in theory, you might have to switch to driver at any given point in time. You want to know where you are. You want to know how everybody in the car is doing. And it might be that you switch to shotgun, not to driver. You might switch roles. You want to be ready to check in with different members of your PLC, bring things in Or be the person who drives things forward, regardless to what you've been doing previously.
2: The last thing that we wanted to talk about when it comes to traffic control and hacks, we mentioned a little bit with the norms, but is everyone ultimately in agreement about what the rules of the road (laughs) actually are?
0: I think it also kind of goes along with your car alignment. So if you're driving a car and it is not aligned, you got to take it in to get it aligned. Because if your wheel is constantly moving to the left, it's really hard to drive or you're constantly having to recalibrate. It's important to know that you have your team in alignment and that you've agreed upon the rules of the road established ahead of time. It's that proactive measure again, Mm -hmm. rather than being reactive.
2: But I think even if you do have to be reactive, like things come up, things happen. Mm -hmm. Especially with student data. Yeah, Right, especially with Mm -hmm. student data. It's important to say, you know, I know we came into this group really wanting to up our use of blended learning practices, but we are really struggling with community building with our kids and knowing what they need and who they are. You've got to use that signal to say we're making a shift naming it, but we will eventually get back on course. It's just this is the priority right now, but still acknowledging that it is a shift for us, but we'll eventually get back and commit to going back
1: and getting on the main road. And just that you signal when you're moving one direction, you signal when you're moving back to the initial direction, you need to make sure that everybody is following and everybody's aware that a change is occurring. But you also need to be prepared to move to the other lane at some point. You need to go back and keep your original destination in mind regardless to how you're veering back and forth. I think another thing that we might want to mention is this idea, watch the road, watch what's ahead of you, don't look at what's behind you. So I would say this particularly goes to some of those relationship struggles or conflicts that may have occurred in PLCs before, but if everybody in the car is thinking about where they're going, not the way the other person made them angry 30 miles ago, it's going to be better. We need to stay away from shame and blame in our PLC conversations because this is stuff that is not productive to forward motion and just leads to hurt and alienation of different people in PLCs. So I would say if the conversation or the consideration is not relevant to the forward process and or the goals or not relevant to sticking to the norms, then it's probably not worth having. It's probably one that could just hurt someone.
2: And in terms of keeping your eyes on the road, it's really about the kids. They're those ultimate stops on the journey. They're the road we're taking to get there. So it's really important that we keep our eyes on that. And like you said, Emily, keep that shame and blame out there and say, it happened, it hurt. What can we do in order to move forward? We talk a lot about the teacher perception of how the
0: PLC is going, and we're talking about this a lot. And I think the reason why this is so important to unpack is that especially teachers and their craft, are so very passionate, and they give it their all. And so there can be a lot of personal time investment, but also emotional investment in the work that they do. And so if those types of relationships aren't fostered or healthy, it's really hard to do the work that you need to do. Because in PLC work, you have to be able to share student examples. You have to say, this is what my students are doing. Here's how they did. And that's a, that takes a lot of vulnerability because that's a reflection, a deep reflection on not only your professionalism and the work that you do, but also just who you are as a person. And so I think that's why we see a lot of PLCs that struggle because it's really hard to be open, especially if you're in that particular scenario where your plc is you don't get to choose your family how can you still be open enough to do that vulnerable work on behalf of your students
2: and i find that there's a lot of to echo what you're saying jenny there is a lot of power in saying i'm going to be vulnerable with you all like actually name it and state it and that signals that i'm trusting you to help me grow and that's hard for people but I think the tone shifts when someone says I'm bringing my data I'm going to be vulnerable here guys and everybody approaches it much differently than if it's like all right we're forced to come with data Mm -hmm. (laughs) it it becomes more of a mandated negative perception than someone leveling
1: and saying I'm going to do it because I want to improve. Absolutely. All right. So let's bring this home. The takeaways from our discussion here, the roadmap to having an effective PLC is first and foremost to consider who you are in your little family or your little car unit. Who are you in this PLC? Not just what role you play, but... How are you enjoying the ride? How do you feel about the ride? How do you feel about your teaching at this moment in time, this year, and in general? How do you feel about the other people that are in here with you? Be really recognizant of your own feelings, and like Casey just said, be aware that you may need to get vulnerable and you may need to make some concessions here and there to try to get to a better place of understanding with your PLC members. What else? I
2: think it's also important to, again, tie it back to the metaphor, is what incentives can a system put in place to help a PLC use the carpool lane to get everybody on board? What sort of time flexibility are you able to provide them to give them a chance to work together and to come with the data? Like for us we at middle school have team time right and we made some flexible scheduling moves so that our plc members could go visit each other's classrooms and that took some flexibility so what incentives are in place to encourage the plc in order to work together the takeaway that i take from this entire discussion
0: is investing in the relationships that are there honoring the hard work that people do but ultimately keeping your eyes on the road and being willing to try out multiple roles in order to do the hard work that is necessary on your trip, because it's going to take a team effort. And going back to DeFore's work that he mentioned, or Casey that you mentioned in the beginning is it takes a community of people to transform education. You can't do it on an Island. You can't be isolated. Yeah. You might be able to teach isolated in your classroom, But ultimately, how do we help education move forward? And so it does take a community. And the more functional rather than dysfunctional PLCs we have, the more school improvement
1: universally you will see. You're right. Driving alone is a lonely road. You want to make sure that you're driving with somebody, even if you're not always agreeing. And you want to keep your eye on the road ahead of you. All right, guys. Time for some road trip car games. Yay! Playtime. Playtime. All right, so Jenny, let's start with you. I think our first question on here is, if each of us, so Jenny, Casey, and Emily were a car, what car would we be? Well, I didn't plan for my own.
0: I was hoping you guys would tell me what car I am, but I have one for each of you. Emily, you would be a hybrid electric car. Probably speaks to why you do drive a Prius, but you're you're environmentally conscious. You are efficient and practical in that regard, and and so that's why I picked that one for you. And then for Casey, (laughs) this is going to come out of left field. Okay. Oh man, you're an you're an RV. (laughs) So I just think that I just think of all of the things that you could do in an RV and the places you could go. You could take a nap, but you're so prepared. You've got your snacks, you know. So I and. How much That's fun you have with an RV, Casey? You're my RV.
2: <laughs> I can go wherever, work wherever, and still get stuff done. Yep,
0: <laughs> yep. I hope you take that as a compliment.
2: I, I initially did not,
0: but the explanation is better. <laughs> Good. I knew it was going to first on the initial onset
2: be like, thank uh, you for head scratch at the beginning. <laughs> yes. yeah.
1: I thought of your Mary Poppins bag right away, actually, yep. uh, with yep. all of your books. And the RV totally made sense to me. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, Jenny, we got to give you one now.
2: Okay. So here's the, here's my Jenny one. Okay. Okay. I'm going with a PT Cruiser. Oh, those, Jenny. those cars suck. <laughs> Sorry
0: to anybody that does drive one. <laughs> There's somebody driving a PT cruiser listening to this right now, hating on us.
1: <laughs> uh yeah. I actually drove a rental PT cruiser for a long time and called it the She T cruiser because I just like
0: it. <laughs> all right, Casey, let's hear let's hear well,
2: now, crap. Like I don't like it now. <laughs> it's all right. Well, just, Keep making- <sighs> it's so unique. Like it's so as you see it driving down the road, you take notice at it and i think this comes from your own like self deprecating like you think a little slower you act a little slower the visibility isn't always quite there but eventually
0: (laughs) (laughs) the visibility in a
2: pt cruiser does suck but once you can take the whole picture in it just looks awesome like i think they look super cool (laughs)
1: You guys have to forgive me here for not knowing cars at all. So I'm just going to describe a type of car and maybe you can tell me what it is. But I would think, Jenny, as you being like one of those, probably like a hybrid SUV. So again, you're efficient. You make the most of what's in front of you. But however, you've got, you know, you're you're high up. You take a good visibility of the road. And I would say you're one of the ones that have that camera that kind of keeps you in the lane. So it doesn't let you veer a around. self-driving it,
2: car?
0: Yeah,
1: a built-in, <laughs> kind of. a built-in. Like, yeah. Yeah. It tells you when you need to
0: start steering.
1: Except I think it's one of the ones that sort of beeps when you're getting off the road. It doesn't just (laughs) do it for you. It makes you do better at the direction you're trying to go. So it's not completely like, oh, cool. I'm not going to do any work because Jenny's here. But like... Okay. Whoop! I'm I'm going off where I shouldn't be. Or oh, there's something there that I need. I should have foreseen. Jenny's got me covered. I think of those features. <laughs> so Jenny's got
2: the car with the automatic blinker that keeps you from veering into a lane.
1: Think of all those good <laughs> I mean, safety features. LeBrie are keeping us in check all the time. We love it. Do the PT cruisers have that feature? <laughs> no. <laughs> I
0: feel
1: terrible. It's all right. I'll, I like
0: how you said they were unique. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs>
1: what's next all right so the other ones are a little bit more traditional would you rather questions like we uh, played with a little bit last week so we could kind of take these on ourselves all right Casey would you rather take the scenic route or use the Waze app
2: Waze I don't really use the Waze app so it took me a second to remember what that was but I, I need a destination I need to know where I'm going otherwise I flounder So, and I I like to take the most efficient way there for, like I said before, I don't like to waste energy. I don't like to waste resources because I can put that energy into watching reality TV.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very important priorities. (laughs) All right. So Jenny, since I've already talked about locking my keys in my car, you're going to get this one. Would you (laughs) rather run out of gas or lock your keys in your car with your children still inside? Would I rather? Or what is more likely
0: to happen? (laughs) Um, Would you rather? Being the planner, and I have this knack for not losing things. Everything has a home base, so I'm really not going to lose my keys. But I am always pushing the limit. Like, do I have enough gas? I don't know, but I'm going to still keep going because I don't have time. (laughs) So that's probably what's most likely going to happen. Would I rather? I'd probably also rather running out of gas especially if my children are inside because then I can comfort them if the doors were locked and they're stuck in the car and I can't get in that would be pretty traumatic so I will pick running out of gas and more likely to run out of gas all right and so we have one more we'll ask this one for Emily Emily yep what are three things in your road trip survival kit I hope I can answer this one too I'm sorry I'm gonna commandeer a little bit but you should go first (laughs) but I, I have mine ready I have mine ready so you go first
1: All right, I don't have mine ready, so I'm just going to shoot from the hip here. Okay. I would say you need to have phone chargers. You are not going to be okay without your phone. My phone is my everything. It's my music. It's my GPS. If I cannot charge my phone in the car, and I'm actually one of those people who like, oh, no, my phone's on 97%. I have to plug it back in. If it's not always plugged in at 100 (laughs) when I'm on the road, I'm losing my mind. So phone chargers, numero uno. Second would be something to drink, preferably caffeinated. If we're going to be driving, I'm not a big car napper. I like to have something to drink, and I would like it to be something that helps me stay awake, kind of like my takeaway for the people in the PLC, stay present. I'm a caffeine achiever, and I need that. And I would say the third thing, we're talking road trip and I'm thinking of my current family situation would need to be something to entertain the kids. So I'm going to go with like a Kindle with one of those racks that you can like put on the back of the seat where the kids can watch it without having to look down and get car sick, but they can still have a good solid hour or so of entertainment before somebody needs to stop for something. Keep us moving, keep us on track and keep the kids enjoying their moments there. Keep them entertained. What about you then?
2: Casey, did you want to go too, or should I? I? Can absolutely go, but you go ahead of me, I'll go unless next. you feel like you have an earth shattering.
0: Mine aren't earth shattering, especially now listening to Emily's. Mine are. You can see that I'm a minimalist <laughs> after hearing those, but mine are. You're gonna see what season of life I'm in <laughs> because the three that I chose were wet wipes. This is so dumb. (laughs) Wet wipes because everything is dirty all the time and there's always a booger or like food to clean up from the car because I have little ones. And a garbage receptacle to put said (laughs) wet wipes in. And my third is very random, but it brings me back to my childhood. Pringles. As a snack, Ooh. so my whenever we go on a road trip, I always remember we could never have Pringles in the house, but if we were on a road trip, we had some Pringles. So it, it's just a little bit more of a an ode to childhood, Moshy. Jenny. Yeah, nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah. yeah,
2: mine. My three are I need to have an actual physical map, in addition to my app, just in case. Whenever I seem to go on road trips, I always lose reception somewhere, so I need to have a map just in case because. I'm not one to want to stop and talk to the locals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Were you one of those people who had one of those like big road atlases in the pre GPS era in your car all the time? My mom
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> Apple doesn't fall far. Nope.
2: From
1: the nope, nope not nope, in this doesn't house. Sound like it. Had to ask.
2: I need a snack of some sort. So usually those are kettle cooked potato chips or Chex Mix. Chex Mix just brings me back that nostalgia as well, mm-hmm. and then I need a podcast that I can binge, like multiple, multiple, multiple episodes back to back to back, because that like helps. You don't just... have kids in the car on your road trip.
0: <laughs> Clearly, in my brain, I did, but
2: podcast sounds a lot more enjoyable. I prayed it. when we took a family vacation up to Wisconsin this past summer, just up in the boonies. That Connor would fall asleep so I could catch up on lore.
1: (laughs) Lore is so good. Yeah. So
2: good. Yes. So those are my survival items.
1: All right. I feel like we should have had a question about snacks because that kept coming up. But... (laughs) (laughs) It's all good.
2: So, thank you so much, all, for listening. Just a taste of what's to come on our future episodes. Our next podcast is titled Data, a Twisted Love Story. So, when you think about data, we've talked about it in the past, where data has multiple different functions within a system. And we're going to analyze the way data is used through stories. So, definitely tune in and hear how data can be like a Greek tragedy a hero's journey epic, but also a romance. And then in episode 10, we have a very, very special guest joining us for what we're calling Love in the Time of Corona. So Kim Darche will be joining us to talk about some of our favorite things that have come up as a result of the pandemic some of the things that we want to maybe just see once in a while continue and some of the things that we really need to get rid of and don't like so definitely tune in that episode is surely not to be missed
0: and that's a wrap on today's episode it is our sincerest hope to advocate for adult learners and we aim to contribute to this community genuine conversations about education leadership and topics that matter to you if you'd like to connect you can find us on our website thegroundedlearnersguild.com on twitter at groundedlguild at cveacher at M, and at jenny Labrie, using the hashtag glgpodchat we believe in the power of feedback it helps us to keep growing and allows us to bring new quality and customized content subscribe to our podcast on stitcher Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.